Atmosphere Church podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we want to make ourselves available to you in any way we can. If you need prayer or just someone to talk with, please send us an email to info at atmosphere.church. Someone from our team will be sure to connect with you. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. How many of you have made it a tradition within your home to watch It's a Wonderful Life every, every Christmas season, all right? How many of you, just curious, have never seen this movie? Yeah, there's quite a few. I, I will tell you uh, that uh, our, our new generation, I mean, it's hard to get past that graphic of the angels talking to each other. <laughs> it's like these dots. It's pretty, it's pretty weird. Uh, but the message is so powerful, and, and I'm not here to endorse the theology of It's a Wonderful Life and how angels work or any of that, but the message of hope is so powerful in this movie. I've seen this movie probably a couple dozen times, and I get teary-eyed every time I see it because of the hope that you see happen in George Bailey's life. And it's so extreme because he goes from this major place of no hope to a major place of tremendous hope. And I don't know if you know this or not, but It's a Wonderful Life is the goat of Christmas movies. Matter of fact, it is one of Hollywood's like most favorite films. The uh, American Film Institute has uh, recognized It's a Wonderful Life as one of the 100 best American films ever made. So if you haven't seen it, I highly encourage you, maybe between now and Wednesday, to go ahead and take some time and watch this. This is an amazing film. But it deals with loss. And how many of you are professional at losing things besides me? Now, I would lose my head if it was not attached to my body. I'm just, that's how I, I do things. This is a true story. This just happened Monday. Okay, I had to go somewhere, and I'm the guy that can never find his keys. Uh, anyone else with me on that? So I, I mean, I'm looking all over the house. In the first 10 minutes, that's like I build it into my schedule of like at least 10 minutes looking for my keys. So I'm looking all over for my keys. And about minute 15, I start turning on the family. And I start accusing them of like moving them somewhere. And so, like, I'm in a 20 minutes, I can't find them, and I'm getting upset, and, and I tell Tara, like, somebody's put my keys somewhere. She said, did you check the little rack where you put all the keys? And I go, of course I checked the rack. Think. So I go upstairs, and I look at the rack, and lo and behold, there were my keys where they should have been and where I should have checked from day one. But don't judge me too hard I don't know how many times I've been talking to people and they're like, oh, I lost my sunglasses and they're on their heads. This just happened a couple weeks ago. Somebody told me I lost my cell phone and I'm looking in their left hand. They're holding, they're literally holding their phone telling me they lost their phone. What is wrong with us? And it's one thing to lose one thing. It's another thing to like lose a bunch of things and and you start feeling it as loss accumulates in your life. And moving here, we downsized. We got into this like condo slash apartment. And, 
We had to really downsize. And I thought, like, moving into a smaller space, we would be able to, you know, keep track of stuff better because we don't have that much room to lose stuff. But I was wrong. I can't find anything. And I've given up a lot of stuff on my, I don't even know where it is. I'm not even going to bother to start looking for it. And it just kind of kind of discouraging when loss starts accumulating. And George Bailey's life, this is the whole premise of the movie. George Bailey life is an accumulation of loss. And he actually experiences so much loss in his life, he gets to a point where he cannot see any hope for his future. It starts when he was a little child. He loses his hearing trying to save his brother's life. He loses his dad, takes over the family business, which means he loses his own dreams. And to keep the business going, he lost his honeymoon, had to give all his money away so that he can keep the business open. And finally, they misplace money. His uncle misplaces the money, and he loses his ability to run the business. And it scares him so much that he moves himself to a bridge when he realizes that I have lost all hope. Loss kind of does that. It accumulates. And one thing, maybe even going into the Christmas season, maybe this is the first Christmas that you are celebrating without a loved one. And you're experiencing that loss. Others of you have experienced tremendous financial loss this year. Others of you, maybe it's a a loss of your own health or some other relationship. And things are accumulating. And maybe you're feeling a little bit like George Bailey this morning. That maybe you're having a difficult time seeing hope at all. It reminds me of a story that I was reading this week about a millionaire that had invested in the stock market before it crashed in 1929. He had millions of dollars, but because of the stock market crash, he lost all of his wealth except for $1 million. Now still to kind of put it in context, $1 million then is like $15 million now. So even though he lost a lot of money, he still was worth a lot of money, more money than a lot of his friends and a lot of the peers that he lived around, but he couldn't get over what was lost. He dwelt so much on what was lost that he could not actually see what remained. He made himself into this place of discouragement to where he eventually took his own life. True story. It's like he died one of the wealthiest men around him because he couldn't get past what he had lost This is kind of where some of you are at this morning. You're stuck in the space of lost, having a very difficult time moving forward in what God has for your future. And let me tell you something. Perspective is everything. And what happens in the movie, Clarence takes George on a journey and he lets him see life if he was never born. And George got to see firsthand how much he was making a difference in the world. So much so that when George kind of comes to, he realizes that he had a lot going on in his life. And that instead of getting so, you know, put out by what he lost, he started having an attitude that I'm going to build my life on what remains. And even though you may be dealing with a lot of loss, there is still a lot of stuff that remains in your life. And God wants to show up in your life today with the hope of heaven so that you can start building on what remains and stop dwelling on what was lost. Can you receive that this morning, church? 
With that, let me pray. We're going to get into the Old Testament. Since it's an old movie, we're going to go in the Old Testament. We're going to look at the prophet Isaiah and, and how he spoke into this very same space. What I love about these Christmas movies, even though they're good stories, I believe every good movie borrows from the greatest story ever given to us, and that is the story of Christ coming to this earth to redeem man and to rescue us from ourselves. Let me pray this. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that you're here to breathe hope into people's souls today, souls that are just caught up and are dwelling on what has been lost in their life. God, help us leave this place knowing that our best is yet to come, and that with you in our life, God, the darkness never has a chance. And we thank you in advance for that. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, I'm in Isaiah chapter eight. We're gonna pick up at verse 18. If you're following along in your Bibles or your smartphones, it says, behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. When they say to you, consult the medians and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They have no light. They will pass through the land hard-pressed and famished, and it will turn out that when they are hungry, they will be enraged and curse their king and their God as they face upward. Then they will look to the earth, and behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be driven away into darkness. Translation, sometimes it's not a wonderful life. Sometimes life is just plain hard, and it can seem very, very dark. Israel was in a position of darkness. They had all kinds of things happening against them. They were losing, you might say, a lot of their freedoms, they were losing their power. They were losing their families and their homes. And eventually, they were going to lose their nation to this barbaric people group called the Assyrians. And God had told them in advance of what was about ready to take place. And so they were filling the darkness. They were being overwhelmed with this loss. But then check this out. Then there's a big shift in chapter 9. Even though they're in the space where everything is being lost in their life, check out what God declares through the prophet Isaiah. He says, nevertheless, church, say with me, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. I love this. There's a great joy that is going to sweep across the nation that is going to replace the darkness. And check it out. Go down to verse 6. It says, for to us a child is born. You're going to... You're going to remember this. This is going to sound familiar. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. 
there will be no end. This child who would become their deliverer is Jesus. This is what the angels are proclaiming in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Luke. This is the moment that Israel had been waiting for. Check this out. For 800 years, this prophetic word that Isaiah is telling the people happened in the 8th century B.C. Fast forward 800 years, a child is born, a child is delivered, and a light, a new light has dawned for the nation Israel and for the entire world. Matthew quotes this particular passage in Matthew chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, and he talks about Jesus' ministry being headquartered in the Sea of Galilee region. This is really interesting to note, that Isaiah is seeing that this baby, this son of God, is going to come from the Sea of Galilee beyond the Jordan, and a new light is going to break forth. In other words, God is going to have a new beginning for Israel. A new hope is born. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Isaiah is just like Clarence in the movie. And he's saying, I I know you've experienced a lot of loss, but there's a new hope that is being born to you, and it's going to change everything. Darkness is not going to have the final word anymore for your lives. This is such an important message to listen to because I believe we are in a day and an age where more people are feeling hopeless than ever before in human history. And it's so ironic to me that we have so much, that we have access to more information than ever before. We, we have so many privileges, especially as a nation, than anybody has in human history, yet there is more hopelessness moving through our culture now than ever has been recorded. More people are taking their lives now than ever before. There there is a rise of suicide in our culture. So there's something that needs to be said when it comes to hope because there are too many people living in our era that are living hopeless lives that are thinking their life is better off dead than alive. And God says, not so fast because in me there's a living hope that the darkness will not have the last word in your life. Yes, you're going through a very difficult season. You're going through a major problem. But when I'm in your life, the problem is going to pass. It's only a temporary season of your life because I have great and glorious promises for your future. So you you need to understand that. So here's what Isaiah is speaking to us in this passage. Write these down. Here's, Here's the first point. is that God doesn't promise that life is always going to be wonderful. You're going to experience some dark times in your life. Verse 18 starts with the expression, here am I. Another translation reads this word, behold. And in the Hebrew language, this is really to look around. And so what Isaiah is saying is, even though you are in a very dark space right now, look around. 
And so many people close their eyes and start shutting down in the darkness when God says, no, 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 no. I want you to look around because there's two things that happen when you start looking around in darkness. Number one, your eyes adjust, don't they? When you start looking and peering into the darkness, it's amazing how your eyesight shifts and you can start seeing things that just moment, uh, just a few moments before that, it was complete pitch dark. But the second thing is, when you're in a dark room, the smallest light that appears can be seen. Matter of fact, the darker it is, the easier it is to see the smallest amount of light. This is what Isaiah is saying to the people of Israel. He's saying, there's a sign, there's a wonder that God is doing, and it's, and it's like coded in our names. The name Isaiah uh, by itself means Jehovah saves. His son's names uh, mean a remnant shall return. The other son meant the speed of spoil, hasten the booty. And, and by the very names itself, God was giving a wink from heaven that even though Israel is going through a dark time, a new hope was about to begin for them. I, I want to let you know that God wants to give you some winks. And he wants you to look around and he wants you to take notice of the ways that he's moving in the midst of your problem, in the midst of your darkness. Because he's moving. But you've got to look around to see him move. This week, we went through kind of a situation involving Tara's dad and the, the, the mother church, and it was really discouraging. And, and so we, we've been on the phone a lot with her dad, and we're just going through the situation, and, and it involves a friend of mine, and, and just a, it's a messy situation. And I was super discouraged, Tara was super discouraged, and we're praying through this thing. And at like the darkest moment of our discouragement, we get a letter in the mail. And we open the letter, and that letter completely completely changed the situation. And I looked at her and I was like, can you believe like of all days we could have ever received this letter, like on the darkest moment when we were super discouraged, a letter comes coincidentally in the mail. Come on somebody, that's not a coincidence. That's a wink from heaven. So I'm telling you, there are winks that God has for you in the midst of your dark situation so that you will have the hope that this too shall pass, that God's on the move in the midst of the darkness to take you to the promises that he's given you a long, long time ago. Here's the second thing that happened to me this week. It was crazy, and it wasn't a wink for me, but God used me as a wink for somebody else. It happens a lot as a pastor. Like, God will use me and, and, and tell me to go certain places, and I don't necessarily have to say anything, but sometimes people equate like the presence of God with me because I'm a pastor. And so I happened to be having lunch with a friend of mine this week on Friday and we're sitting at this restaurant in Calabasas of all places. And this old friend of mine, I haven't seen this guy in years from Bakersfield, comes into the restaurant while we're having lunch and literally is seated right next to us in this place. And he sits there and he's like looking at me and I'm looking at him. Have you ever seen somebody in a place that you've never seen them before and you're like, I, don't, I, I think I know them. But we're like, like having to stare off awkwardly. And he's like, hey, bro. I'm like, hey. And then it dawned on me who it was. And it was a guy I haven't seen in a long time. And I said, man, are you still involved in the church? He goes, no, I haven't been to church in a long time. Matter of fact, I went through a divorce with my wife. It's ugly. And, and just kind of like I'm having to kind of relearn how to do life. And in that moment, I realized that I wasn't at that lunch by accident. 
Like if, if you were to like try to draw this out and get me at the, the restaurant at the same time that he came in and then to have him seated literally right next door to me, that was a wink for him. That God was showing him that he's up to good things in his dark situation if he would just put his hope in Christ. This is what God wants to speak to us. John 1 verse 5, he says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Because when light comes into a dark room, light always has the upper hand. Let me put it to you this way. No matter how dark the situation is, when God is in your life, you always have the upper hand in the darkness. And your job is to look around and pay attention to the winks from heaven that God's given you to bring that hope into your very dark situations. Be childlike. Don't overanalyze it. Just come in there with simple faith. Number two is with Christ in your life, you always have a nevertheless. You always have a nevertheless. Even though chapter eight was really bad. I mean, they can't see God at all. They're turning to mediums and spiritists because they're just like, we, we have no hope. Like, God has abandoned us. Like, we're, we're just, we're desperate. Have you ever gotten in such a dark situation that out of your desperation, you start reaching towards things that you thought you would never reach towards? This is exactly where Israel is. And then God comes along and gives them a nevertheless. He inserted a nevertheless into their dark story and it completely changed the narrative of their story. And here's the reality, regardless how optimistic you are, life can be incredibly challenging, but yet God has a nevertheless for you. I have no money. Nevertheless, God says he will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This relationship is over. Nevertheless, God says, I am the reconciler of all things, and I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And that with me, you have new beginnings. My health is messed up. Nevertheless, God is preparing me for a new body in heaven. And that he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals us. I failed again. Nevertheless, you've been forgiven 70 times seven. And that he's equipped you to be more than a conqueror. You have a nevertheless to insert into your story. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a nevertheless. You got to find it. And you got to believe by the power of of Christ's birth, death, and resurrection that he's equipped you with a nevertheless to insert into your story. That the darkness will never have the last word in your story because Christ lives in your soul. Now, here's the third thing that we wanna circle and that is God wants you to see what's beyond your Jordan. The Jordan River in the Bible represents problems and challenges and and here's the reality of all of our lives is we all face challenges and problems. Maybe that's what got you to church this morning because you are being overwhelmed by challenges and problems. You have a Jordan River in your life. Let me tell you, I wish I could tell you that God just supernaturally brought the Israelites onto the other side of the Jordan, but that's not biblical. They had to walk through the Jordan. Now, God help them get through the Jordan, but they had to still walk through it. And there's a Jordan River in your life. There's challenges and problems in your life, but what God is telling us to pay attention to is not the Jordan River, but what's beyond the Jordan. That there are promises that God has for your life 
that haven't yet come to pass. And that when you have a life in Christ, that your best days aren't behind you, my friend. Your best days are yet to come. And you have to have the mindset to know that even though I'm facing a Jordan River experience right now, God has something waiting for me that is so awesome on the other side beyond the Jordan River. Maybe it's a financial problem, as we talked about. Maybe it's a, a relationship issue that you're just sideways about. Let me tell you, don't let your current problem define your future. That when Christ is in your life, there is a future and a hope that God is bringing into your life if you just stay the course. This is why hope is so important. When you lose hope, you lose the ability to keep going. And this is why so many people quit before their breakthrough. This is why so many people quit before their promises ever lived out in their life. Is they lose their hope. And hope gives you the capacity to keep going and keep moving through the Jordan River. See, you've got to tell your problem, I'm just passing through. Can I tell you something? Quit giving permanent residency to your problems in your life. It's just a temporary address that you need to say, hey, problem, I'm going to keep going. I don't live here. You have to even speak it in your problem. Maybe tonight as you're praying before you go to bed, you speak directly into that problem and say, I'm just passing through you because I need to get through you to get to the promises that God has waiting for me beyond the Jordan. He's got them for you, church. Here's the fourth thing. Write this down. That is God is never in a hurry to deliver his promise. <laughs> I hate that. See, God's never in a hurry. We're the ones that are in such a rush all the time. Think about this, church. Just, just get your mind around this. Isaiah prophesies this 800 years before Christ even shows up on the earth. We get frustrated if we have to wait eight minutes, <laughs> let alone 800 years. We are living in an instant delivery culture that is making us very, very soft. I tell you, I blame a lot of this on Amazon Prime. <laughs> I really, I really do. We have to learn to be better waiters. One of the best things that happened to my life is the traffic in this area. Don't get me wrong, I hate the traffic but it's teaching me something that if I go somewhere, I, I have to build it into my journey. Like I, I'm going to be in traffic. I, I've already missed a couple of the key appointments because I forgot to count in the traffic. And so now I'm getting used to it. Like if I go somewhere, I have to count on the fact that I'm going to have to wait a little bit longer because of the traffic, but I'm learning something as I'm in the traffic. Like it is the best prayer time it is the best worship time. And not only that, I know that no matter how trafficy it is on the highway, I'm still going to get to my destination. I may not get there on the timeline that I want, but I will get there. And that while I'm waiting, God is cultivating something inside of me that is beautiful. Because here's what you need to understand about the kingdom of God. He's more concerned about your journey than he is your destination. 
He's more concerned about the character that he's creating than he is the comfort that you're seeking. He's creating something while you're in the waiting period. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need to become a better waiter. We need to all become better waiters. Now, in closing, I, I, I want to give you I want to give you two questions. I want you, as you move into Christmas on Wednesday, I want you to consider these two questions because this goes along with It's a Wonderful Life. Here's the first question. What would the world be like if Christ would have never been born? Scary, isn't it? I mean, you think about the darkness that we are facing, not just locally or nationally, but just globally, we, my wife was watching one of those uh, end of the year uh, little tributes that the news was doing this last week, and they were kind of recapping 2019. And, and she told me after, she goes, Jim, that was the most depressing thing I've ever seen. Like, we've watched these like end of the year pieces before, but she goes, this year it was like another level of just things going super wrong. Can you imagine what this world would be like if they had no Christ? Where would we be at globally? Where would we be at nationally? I mean, we're really messed up as a nation and we're super divided, but can you imagine how crazy things would be if Christ would have never been born? He has really created hope locally, nationally, globally. I mean, here's the bigger question, is where would my life be if I had never been born again? See, some of you have made a decision to become a follower of Jesus. And in making that decision, your life has changed tremendously. Like if you were to go back and, and like show us pictures of, of who you used to be, we were like, no way, never. But just imagine if Christ had never shown up in your life and you had never surrendered your life to him, what your life would look like today. I think I have a picture of what my life would look like. Go ahead and look at this. This is... <laughs> I don't know. A face only a mother could love. Yeah, I would still be rocking the mullet. Right? But that, that's just a, a visual representation. I don't know if I look like that. But I'm convinced, I'm convinced that had Christ not come into my life, more than likely I'd be dead. More than likely. If not, I guarantee you I would have been divorced. I guarantee you I, I wouldn't have the relationship that I have with my kids that I have today. I owe so much to the way Christ has transformed my life by the hope that only Christ can bring to me. I, I don't know about you, but, but I know that we can get really frustrated with maybe being reminded of, of how much further we have to go, but, but don't rush through the process of celebrating how far Christ has allowed you to become. 
Like, like you're a different man, you're a different woman, and who knows where you would be or what you would be up to or, or what kind of life that you would be living if Christ hadn't shown up in your life. Let me tell you, some of you that haven't surrendered your life to Christ, you haven't become a follower of Jesus, I'm telling you, your best life is yet to come. He wants to come into you and not just give you hope in hopeless situations. He actually wants to come and begin transforming you as a human. He wants to transform your marriage. He wants to transform your family. He wants to transform you financially. He wants to transform you even with your health. There is something God is waiting to do, but you have to come to him in order for him to do it. He's not gonna force himself on you. It's a place where you come in a place of full surrender to say, Christ, you are my living hope, and I'm gonna give you my life. I'm gonna have the worship band come up And while they're coming up, would you guys just stand with me? And we're just going to respond to this hope that we're talking about this morning. And just pray with me. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for the Christmas story. The Lord, it's not just a message about love and redemption and salvation. It's a message of hope. That in our dark, dark story, you have inserted a nevertheless And you've given us a picture of what lies beyond the Jordan. That you've come so that you could take your light and deposit it into our dark souls. So that that light can not only transform us, but can also transform the situations, the problems that we're currently going through. While everyone is praying, if you're here this morning and you know God is speaking to your heart, there's a scripture, and I didn't give it to you yet, but just listen. You don't have to open your eyes or anything, but but listen to this verse. It says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you surrender your life to Christ, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you so that you can abound in this hope that I'm talking about this morning. And the cool thing is, not only do you get the hope, it says here, you have all joy in all peace starting to move in your life. If you desire peace, if you desire joy, it begins by you experiencing the hope that can only come from the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And if you're here today, you wanna surrender your life to this hope, I wanna encourage you to make that decision right here, right now, so I can pray with you. I don't want to embarrass you, but if you're here this morning and you're ready to make that decision to let the light of salvation into that dark place of your soul, to let God insert a nevertheless into your story, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me? I know this is what I need in my life. God bless you guys, both of you. Anyone else want to raise your hand? God bless you. Both of you guys. 
too. God bless you. Well, anybody else? God, you see the hands that went up. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would just come and take up residence in all of these souls that we could abound in hope. And that, Lord, we could have that all of peace and all of joy that you have to give us through the Jordan rivers of our life. God, I pray today that you would give us a new picture of the future, of the promises that you have waiting for us beyond our Jordans. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at www.atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click on the tab that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.